0: The Go Be Great podcast is brought to you by the folks at Hardo Sports. Folks, happy December. It is episode number 22 of the Go Be Great podcast with Michael Contento. I'm the aforementioned host and not as much to talk about here on episode 22 as there was last week, folks. Um, definitely had a lot of Thanksgiving content in there, as well as a little bit of a, a look ahead to some of the things going on. week that passed, just uh, this week. Um, So not as much to talk about. Honestly, some similar topics, kind of just reviewing what has happened in terms of the World Cup. Um, My trip to Newark for the Devils versus Maple Leafs with the franchise record on the line. Uh, A recap of the weekend in college football, specifically um, the Michigan and Ohio State game, and then the outlook of the of the playoffs and how much I think some of these games matter in the conference championship weekend upcoming. Uh, we'll do the picks as always, despite them being on another bad week. Uh, three and three on college football picks. I'd picked every game and I actually made two picks on the Vikings and Patriots game. That they went six and eleven. So the records for college football total 18, 17, and 1. NFL, 14, 29, and 3. That is 29.7%. So uh, you guys got to get on fading those. There's only a couple more weeks for you to do that. Um, We'll do a top 10 NFL power ranking. I like that I've done some lists and some different like actual segments rather than just my thoughts on um, the last two episodes. I know that one of them was my favorite things about thanksgiving which was a good day for me except for the fact that by the end of the weekend i did end up on the covid list so my contento got by the covid on the il but battling through it honestly feeling pretty good i think if i tried to record yesterday which was wednesday or tuesday now cuz i'm i'm really recording like between wednesday and thursday morning I um, think I probably would have lost like, you know, shortness of breath was really my one symptom. So I think it would have been a little bit tough for me to get through episode 22 yesterday or, or even earlier than that. But um, luckily, other than that symptom, getting through it pretty well, everyone that uh, in my family that also has it seemingly has a very mild strain. So uh, thank God for that. Um so in order we'll do Devils team USA uh NFL in general because we're doing the top 10 power ranking as well as the old Jets and Giants recap of their weeks um and last but not least we'll finish up with college football so the Devils Wednesday night it was an awesome game um unfortunately the Devils did not extend their streak and they lost two to one. Um, it was a good time for, for me and the boys, you know, haven't seen my boy Spez in a bit as he goes to college a little bit further away from where we live. So didn't get to see him the last few months. It was good to get out there. Uh, the devil's hospitality is amazing. You know, we were in the sectioned off seats with all the foods, so a lot of food, a lot of drink. Um, you know, I think the picture or the the t- the title picture, I should say, for the podcast will be a view of our seats. So, um, yeah, we were yeah we were pretty set up over there. Um, three goals the Devils had called off by basically like video review, and we were sitting right behind the video review box, so it was pretty funny because we knew every time that the goal was going to be overturned, that it was going to be overturned based on the way that the referees were like, we could, you know, read their body language, you know, read their lips, all that type of stuff. We knew that these goals were getting overturned. And honestly, like I said in the podcast before this one, don't think I've been to a hockey game that I wasn't entertained. And this one just fits the mold perfectly. Like, Every time that the the two refs came out and, you know, said after video review the call on the ice, first one went to review because they called it off on the ice, so when they confirmed that one, they were getting, they were getting heckled pretty bad. But the other two were goals on the ice, waved off immediately. So, yeah, I guess all three were, were disallowed early on, and then the review confirmed. Um, And each time, like, the Devils fan just got louder and louder to the point where I was, like, looking around, and obviously I know it's not as loud as, as a football game or even a baseball game, depending on the teams, what stadium you're in, like, based on numbers. But for 16,000 people in the Prudential Center, man, like, that was – that was – a real raucous crowd. I think the Devils haven't been good in a couple of years, so a lot of people were excited for this one. They were hoping they were going to get the record. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. But all things considered, I think, like watching the Devils, they're a young team. They play with such effort and energy. Like The three goals that got waved off were all goals that they hustled for a puck, got a loose puck, filtered it in. Unfortunately, two of the goals were called off due to goalie interference, so that means that a player skated within the goalie's crease or contacted the goalie and made them physically unable to save the shot, so getting up on my hockey knowledge, but uh, yeah, I think either way you look at it, like, yeah, they lost the game. Sure, they lost the record, but Devils fans have a team to root for that has a legit chance to make some noise, I think, this year. They're number one still in the Eastern Conference in terms of points because they have not lost since that game either. A couple of wins in a row, including one against the Rangers at uh, Madison Square Garden on Monday night. So that's a pretty big win for them. Um, But the main reason I wanted to bring up and recap my experience was after the third goal, Not only was it so loud, but you got to go catch the video of this. Uh, All of a sudden, you know, we're sitting on the side that you see if you're looking at the broadcast. So all of a sudden from, you know, right behind the Maple Leafs bench, which if you're looking at the broadcast is on your right side, one beer flies, hits the ice, then another one from the upper deck. Now it's just like they're coming from everywhere. The Maple Leafs players are covering their heads. They went into the locker room for a second. I think by the end of it, it was like a fifteen minute delay. And uh that's just that just like I said, goes to show you A. The Devils fans really are passionate about their team and are really excited to see what this team can do. Um and <laughs> that stuff type of stuff doesn't happen just anywhere. I feel like that's probably just a New York thing of, like, fans getting rowdy and to that extent, you know, stuff flying on the f- on the field or the ice or the court, whatever it is. But I'll tell you what, that is an experience that this game specifically that I will remember for a long time just because, like, wh- looking around, it didn't feel real. Like, all right, that beer just went. And now I'm looking around. Now beers are flying. Beers are flying. Holy crap, there they go into the locker room. The devils are yelling at people not to throw shit. Like it was it really was like a scene out of a movie. So um I'll be back at least at least once more over the next few months. But I imagine I think the devils based on that they're gonna be good, like I said, no bad hockey games. We have a ticket set up a little bit as well. Uh I imagine going to a couple games here, so got to get a little bit more into the hockey coverage. I don't know how I could make it fun for the listeners. Um, so I'll figure out how I could do that, but I just wanted to bring attention to the fact that beers were flying on the ice. If you didn't see the video, please do watch it. Unfortunately, my, my picture for the pod did not have any airborne beers. It was before that. So not going to get any of that. Um, The Go Be Great uh, podcast episode picture, but you will get it if you go look on uh, Twitter, YouTube, wherever you can find that video. I know that people are saying maybe it's a rig that the NHL didn't want the Devils to win. In my very small knowledge and experience of NHL rules, I think... At least two of the three goals that were called off, they were made their correct call. The only one I didn't really agree with was the third. Kind of looks like he kicked it in. Kind of looks like maybe his uh, stick got on it at the last second. It's tough to call. They called on the ice that it was no goal, and they stayed with that call. So can't really hate on the refs. It's unfortunate because the Devils really did want that win you know franchise record pretty awesome but um i think they'll take the other 13 i take they i think they'll take the three that have followed and i think overall they'll definitely take the fact being in first place after a couple of years not being involved at all so um and from one good team to the next the usa in the world cup in qatar moving on to the knockout round i believe they will play the netherlands on saturday morning so saturday is going to be another pretty good sports day i think you have one college football uh championship conference championship on friday a couple more on saturday and then obviously good old nfl sunday so another action-packed weekend uh, but the USA moving on after a rough first, well, I don't want to say a rough first game because their first half uh, against Wales was really good. The second half, they had a rough time putting it on the defensive and they unfortunately, Zimmerman tackles in the box. We give up a, a penalty to Gareth Bale and we only take one point out of that. So obviously you're kind of nervous going into the last two because you didn't feel like you were going to beat or tie England, but you did tie England. So that was a really good result, I felt like, in that game against England. They probably came out and underestimated the American side. I think that we played very loose, very like, well, we have nothing to lose now because, you know, all we can do is make our situation better. Um, And I think we probably deserve to beat England based on the way that the game went. Uh, I feel like we were on the attack a lot more than they were. We were putting in some good efforts. Unfortunately, none of them came up with goals, and so we took one point from them going into a game with Iran, which was Tuesday, that we just needed to beat Iran to move on to the next round. Fortunately, that did happen. Pulisic scored with, I think, 10 minutes left to go in the first half, so around the 35th or 38th minute, something like that. Unfortunately did not complete the game with an abdominal injury from the goal. Um but I think he'll take it. I think the whole team will take it. Uh they're moving on. They're gonna play the Netherlands. Pulisic does seem like he's gonna be ready for Saturday morning's game, which that's always good to have your best player and your your number one ball handler in the midfield ready to go for probably the biggest game of our country's history in this sport at least going back 12 years if not you know all time so um the good part about this is one soccer is getting a a good i don't want to say a re a rebirth in the country because i don't think that's the right word but i think it is getting a focus from media and a focus from from general public that is important and then I think we'll bode well going into the world cup coming here next time around in 2026 the other good thing is just when you look at this team like regardless of what happens the united states is the the youngest country in this world cup by far like i think Pulisic is like 23 um, the kid Tyler Adams who's the captain defenseman I think he's 21 um there is another midfielder I don't I think his last or yeah his last name is Musa 20 years old turned 20 during the game against Iran so you know regardless of what happens in this tournament like you have to feel pretty good about the future of this country in this sport which is really cool um uh you know outside of one bad half against the uh against Wales they've played really well we'll see against a defensive team in the netherlands how we'll do the story for us has been coming out of the gate pretty hot and then you know just trying to keep up that same energy in the second half especially with some of our leaders Especially uh Weston McKinney who can only really play like sixty, sixty five minutes based on injuries, so um we'll see. We'll see how they come out in the first half. I think you'll kinda know how they're gonna do. Um I certainly hope that they that they are able to win and move on one one round further. You know, I don't know don't know what the expectation should be because I don't know like I don't know enough about soccer either, really. I know that we're ranked like twentieth in the nation, in the world in soccer. Um, so I guess by those measurements, we should probably win this game. But I'm sure that the the Netherlands are also in, up there or in front of us. So not exactly a, a great drawing for the first round of the knockout stage, but. It would be an awesome win, like I said. Regardless of what happens, like they moved on, I think that was the goal, and they'll have this experience for when they're at home, which I think will really benefit them. I mean, you know, I think in any sport, having the home side with the fans is usually a a big advantage, whether players, coaches, or even the fans want to admit it. I think it's a pretty big advantage so it'll be good to see how this uh you know plays out on saturday and we'll see if this much excitement carries over the next couple of years for the sport of soccer in this country so we move off of team usa and we move on to the gridiron which Hopefully, at MetLife Stadium, will be changed to grass sooner rather than later. As uh, in the Jets game, another couple of injuries. We had Michael Carter with an ankle injury. We had a couple of members of the Bears go out with season enders. Darnell Mooney being one of them. So the wide receiver for the Bears. So not good. I believe when FIFA comes to America any stadium that they play games at will have to be grass for the world cup. So not sure if that will mean a change just around that time or for a couple of years after, but, you know, after that time, but the number one news in the NFL is definitely the playing surfaces right now. Just any week where someone's went down and it's been on turf, people have been getting on it. Uh, some of them being NFL players so hopefully MetLife Stadium grass soon because I have a bunch of ACLs and I'm sure the Giants fans do that I hope as a fan to keep intact uh for the next couple of years and having some grass will help that uh both teams I believe are at 7 and 4 after this week the Giants lose On Thanksgiving to the Cowboys but they showed some fight the Jets beat the Bears by 21 but the big story which I told you guys last week was everybody was kind of zoning in on the Jets quarterback room and dissecting what what we should do and I told you what I thought we should do which was start Mike White because it couldn't have been worse than uh, Zach Wilson and I think for the most part, fans were also expressing that sentiment, whether it be on the fan, online, ESPN radio, wherever their, their outlet to yell about sports was, they they did say, um, you know, we should make this move. There was another small minority that said, you know, Zach Wilson's the most talented guy we've got, and there's no way that these two players, whether it was Flacco or White, could be better. Um, I do understand the talent side of things with Zach Wilson just based on how great his arm is, how powerful it is. Um, But I think if you really go back and watch that tape, like Zach Wilson being bad in the NFL is no surprise to people who really watch. That being said, I know that seems like I'm taking a shot at Joe Douglas. I understand that it's probably the hardest. It's the hardest position to evaluate. I I don't think there's any doubting that he's done a good job otherwise. So I don't think this is like a call for your job type thing. Um, but personally, what I saw out of Zach Wilson was just unrealistic pockets for, you know, translating from that level of college to the NFL. Um, not a lot of you know reads, just kind of predetermining where the ball was going and getting away with it based on he had the better athletes on the field. He had the best arm that anyone playing defense had ever seen for most of those teams. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a no-brainer to start Mike White. So did Robert Sala. And would you look at that? I guess I do know something. Mike White comes out, throws for 300 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, Elijah Moore gets in the end zone Garrett Wilson finds the end zone twice Uh, Zonovan Knight with a breakout game as he's probably like our third or fourth string running back starting the season and ends up going for uh, I think he went for 100 scrimmage yards between receiving and rushing so shout out to Bam Knight Um, so now I think the expectations have changed with the Jets once again. I think the way it was looking in those five weeks, it was like, all right, got to make the playoffs. Then those two losses to the Patriots, it was more so like, all right, well, now we have to try to sneak in the playoffs. Um, And I think with the way that Mike White looked, you're back to, all right, well, this kid looked good enough to the point where we probably can, like we need to win again not to the point of like making a run in the playoffs but i feel like the way that we looked and i know it's the bears and i know that their offenses or their defense isn't great but i feel like you watch that game there's like all right we should be able to compete with the rest of the teams on our schedule hopefully that finds us in a playoff spot and if we win in the playoffs, great. If we lose, it'll suck. But I think if you told yourself before the season, like the Jets make the playoffs, you're not going to be mad that they lose the first round. So it was good to see that I was right at least for one week. Like, because the alternative here is not you know fuck the victory lap that I'm taking. But if the if he looked bad, then it's like all right. Well, now your option is a you play him again against the Vikings. And you probably don't win. B, you have to start Zach Wilson again. And now the rest of the season is about developing him. And if you make the playoffs, great. If you don't, well, no one cares. At least not in the front office. And then after, at the end of that, if you find out that he's definitely not the guy, which I feel like that should have been decided already, then you have to go back into the draft or the you know, free agency once again. So... The much better alternative is Mike White looks good enough to end this season for the Jets at quarterback. What they decide to do after that, I'm guessing it's going to be the free agency market just because I feel like there's a couple guys, namely Jimmy G, that are in a spot where they're probably not going to go back next year, that will be looking for a new team. And I just think based on the way that this draft looks, which – is only going to be Will Levis from Kentucky, who just announced today, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young. I don't think that those three have shown you enough to justify another draft pick on a quarterback, especially given your luck with the last two. So I would much rather see a guy like Jimmy G. You know, there's also some crazier theories out there, like a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers. We'll kind of see how that goes. But don't want to get too far in terms of looking ahead. Because right now, the Jets play the Vikings next week. Jets are 7-4. and four, And I believe in the seventh spot in the playoffs. And it's kind of that time now where if you're a Jets fan, not only are you rooting for the Jets to win, but you're rooting for some of these teams like Miami, uh, the, the Bills, um the Bengals the Titans uh to lose so that you can just be sure that you can get into a playoff spot so um injuries still across the offensive line but we're figuring it out you know our schedule is we have two more division games with the Bills and the Dolphins we've got the Vikings this week. I know we play the Lions and the Jaguars both at home. And I believe that might be it. I don't know if I named six games there, but we'll see. Like I said, I think the expectation is you make the playoffs and whatever happens happens. And Mike White should be your starter the rest of the season. I know that they said, Robert Sala specifically in the press conference that when you know that they're going to look to return uh zach wilson to play at some point this year i think 320 yards and three touchdowns kind of changed that for mike white um and and seemingly and this happened last year too like these guys rallied around mike white like they seemed energetic Uh, some of them got the ball more so obviously that's going to make sense but you know the defense was allowed to have a bad drive and give up a touchdown because we put up points. Like it, it it's it just makes your team feel better about going into a game and winning with the quarterback being able to complete some of these passes. Um it goes to show you that sometimes you the most talented player just isn't gonna be the best quarterback. Like you know, like I said Zach Wilson, arm talent is there, but as the decision-making there at an NFL level, he hasn't shown it yet. So, Um, to move on to the Giants, Giants, they lost to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, but it honestly wasn't as bad as I expected it. I would have thought that the Cowboys kind of blew them out just based on how many Giants are hurt at this point in the season. And, you know, they they did. They did all right. Like this is the thing with the Giants and the Cowboys, right? Cowboys, I think, are an NFL like top three team. A pretty good chance to be in the NFC championship or the Super Bowl. The Giants are a fun team that won a bunch of games in the beginning of the year. Would you have liked for them to win? Obviously, yeah, I think if you're a fan of a team and you want your team to lose, then there's something wrong with you. But I think, once again, a team that the expectations have changed like kind of week to week. At first, it was let's find out about Daniel Jones this season. If not, we move on. Then it was make the playoffs because they strung a bunch of wins together. They think at some point, they were seven and one or seven and two. Seven and two sounds right. Um, unfortunately two losses in a row here. And now I think the expectations have changed again. I think like you if you're a Giants fan, you were excited to get to this point. I think you do want to make the playoffs, but I think and Giants fans have done a good job of this all year. If you individually look at each of these last six games the Giants have, like, if you told me that that day like if I didn't watch the games and I get up next Sunday at 4:30 and I say, "Oh, what was the score of the Commanders Giants game?" I wouldn't be surprised if the Commanders won. And that's the same thing for the next 6 weeks they play the Commanders twice, they play the Eagles twice, they play the Vikings and they play the Colts. You no. Know, do I think they're better than the Commanders? Probably. I think they're better than the Colts, yeah. But I think you've seen in the NFL over the over the years that sometimes the better team doesn't play that great and loses. So like I said, individually, if you woke me up at the end of each of these Giants games, I wouldn't be surprised by 0 and 6. I would be surprised by 0 and 6 as of re- like as an actual record. The last six, because I feel like they're bound to win one or, or two of those games. But I think right now, you're kind of hoping to win. You're rooting for other teams to lose. If you make the playoffs, I think you just don't want to look bad in that game. And whatever happens, happens. Um. Odell meeting with the team on Thursday. We'll see what kind of happens there. You know, you have to figure, like, his last meeting with the team is on Monday. So he's not playing this week, definitely. And this is week 13 now, or 12, week 13. He's not playing next week because his last meeting is on Monday. So no way he plays week 14. Let's just say that he's ready to play week 16, right? That's probably a decent estimate. So three weeks he has, and then the playoffs. So if you're the Giants, is it even really worth it right now? Because you don't even know. Like you might be in the playoffs. You might not. So is it worth it? I think some people will still tell you yeah, because he could definitely help you make it and then probably help you win a game if you get there as well. Um, but I think it's more likely that he goes to one of these teams. The Chiefs being one of them, I think he meets with them Monday. Uh, the Cowboys, obviously the whole Cowboys team has name dropped him multiple times in interviews, so I wouldn't be surprised there um and I thought I saw the bills on there as well. I'd be pretty surprised if he ended in Buffalo, but uh, hey, we'll see you never know NFL top ten power ranking. This was just kind of off of the top. I wasn't really looking at records. I mean, I kind of was because I feel like it helped me put the teams in different spots. Um, I definitely missed one team, and there's a lot more AFC teams here uh, than AFC teams. Or excuse me, there's a lot more AFC teams than NFC teams. I feel like the NFC is really just a three-team race. Is that correct? Three, four. Between the Eagles, the Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Vikings. Um, I know that the NFC South is not represented on this list, and they weren't represented in that smaller list of any NFC teams, I feel like, that are going to be good, because I just don't envision... Like, the Buccaneers just lost to the Browns. I know that that doesn't mean shit for their playoff game that which whoever wins the NFC South will get at home. Um, But I think even if they were winning were to win that game, whether it's the Buccaneers, the Falcons, or even the Saints, if the Saints somehow figure out how to get out of there or the Panthers, which I feel like having to watch any of those four teams in the playoffs uh, is not fair. But I feel like regardless of what happens, whichever one of them makes it, they have no chance to win Uh, late into the playoffs, we'll say. So I like those four teams out of the NFC. And so I guess we'll just go with the top 10 power ranking, NFL as a whole. Um, and I'll kind of explain why I have each team at each spot. The Chiefs are number one. I believe their record's nine and two. Um. They are the first seed of the AFC right now. This one's pretty simple, folks. Like, Patrick Mahomes is probably the best quarterback I've ever watched with two eyes. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end I've ever watched with two eyes. And based on that, like the other teams don't have that. Uh Andy Reid, one of the best coaches, I think. Still coaching. I think one of the best coaches of all time. Um like they're just taking care of business each and every week. I know that they've lost two games, but I mean every team in the NFL has lost a game, so it doesn't really bother me. Ah, uh, the defense has been pretty good. Like they have a good pass rush, which is always important in January and February. Um, and like I said, on the offensive side of the ball, like when those guys know they have to score, or when those guys know they need a third down conversion, fifteen to eighty-seven proves to be one of the most lethal combinations of all time. So um, based on that, I don't think there's a team that can stop them. I've been saying as a Jets fan, like I have no fear of playing any of these AFC teams except for the Chiefs because I feel like there's just no answer for that. So Chiefs number one, Eagles number two. I know that people have said, and including me, I guess, that the Eagles might be a little overrated because they haven't played really anyone their one loss is to the commanders but i'm just gonna strike that one up as it's a divisional game um the eagles rushing attack is really damn good with miles sanders and jalen hurts i think in the playoffs not only will they be able to run the ball pretty well but uh i think some teams are gonna go a little bit all out to stop the run and those two or three wide receivers that the Eagles have are very good uh, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith I know they lost Dallas Goddard at the tight end to the season with injury but um, yeah I think and their defense has done a real good job this season too so I've got Eagles at number two I think their offense is probably a little better than we're giving it credit for and we'll see how it does you know, when the games matter. Cowboys number three. Um, I might put them at two if I thought Tony Pollard was going to get 80% of the touches, but I know he's not. Either way, though, the Cowboys are the most likely team, I feel, to sign Odell Beckham. So not only adding to a good passing attack, a great rushing attack, even if Tony Pollard's getting half the snaps, uh, but most of all the defense. They held the Vikings at three points. Very impressive. Micah Parsons, as a pass rusher, is one of the best players in the NFL. He can also play linebacker, which is pretty impressive. Um, I know that they lost the cornerback. I think his name, I'm not going to go for his name. So they lost one of their starting corners, but they do have Trevon Diggs. Um, and I feel like their defense just overall is really good. I would put them above the Eagles, but I believe that they have played and the Eagles have won, so that would just be wrong. Um, So Cowboys are at number three. Miami's at four. Now, I know the Jets beat Miami, but that was with Skylar Thompson as the quarterback. I think that having to to line up your best secondary players against Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill is basically impossible in the NFL these days because – The only way you can really stop them is by being physical. And if you're physical, you're going to get a penalty. So um, Mike McDaniel as a coach has proven to be pretty damn good. I think you can only really look at the two or three weeks where Tua was hurt being like, oh, this, this team is a little bit concerning. Other than that, they've moved the ball with ease. Their defense has gotten enough stops to let their offense do the work and win the game. Um, and I think they're as deadly as anyone in terms of offense in the league. I know that, you know, what I said about the Chiefs with Mahomes and Kelsey, but I feel like other than that, in terms of lethal offenses, Miami is probably number two. Um, and so they're number four on my power ranking list. I believe their record is, uh, eight and three, seven and four. Not really sure. Like I said, I kind of just. Looked at records just to make sure I wasn't doing anything egregious. Um, but they don't really matter that much, in my opinion. Number five, the 49ers. I've been high on this team for a little bit. Um, I know that Christian McCaffrey was injured uh, in the last game they played, uh, which was a 13 nothing win this week, I believe, against the Saints. Uh, yeah, the defense is really like more so the reason that they're this high. I mean, their offense is great, but the defense with Joey Bosa, excuse me, wrong Bosa brother. The defense led by the pass rush of Nick Bosa, really good. Um, I feel like anytime you've seen the 49ers on prime time this year, the defense is balled out. The offense will do enough to win games, like pretty much. The same thing that happened last year, the people thought the 49ers weren't going to be great because they didn't have a great offense. Their defense did all the work they needed to do to get them, you know, a couple of snaps uh, shy of the Super Bowl. So now with a better offensive team, Jimmy G is kind of playing, you know, loose and fun once again, so. Uh, I like the 49ers in the AFC to, to be a little bit of a sleeper team because I think a lot of these other teams will or a lot of other people will be talking about the Vikings, the Eagles, and the Cowboys, but I really like the Niners um, in the NFC. So Vikings are six. I think the Vikings are kind of getting exposed a little bit over the last couple weeks. We will see what happens this Sunday in Minnesota when the Jets go to play play Minnesota. Um, They lost to the Cowboys by a big margin. Uh, Didn't see much of the game against the Patriots, but it feels like against this offense, there's two big keys. And I know that it's kind of crazy to say, like, you got to stop the run, but you got to stop the run against Dalvin Cook. He's still a really good player. Um, And number two, your number one player has to take out Justin Jefferson. And maybe not take him out, but at least slow him down. And I feel like Sauce might be able to do that. I feel like there's a couple of other corners on this list. Darius Slay in Philly. Um, maybe, maybe Diggs. But I, uh I mean they did hold the Vikings to three points, so we'll put Diggs up there. Um the 49ers feel like they they would be able to to take him down a little bit but you got to be able to and especially it seems like on the first drive of the game cuz he gets a lot of catches on the first drive you got to be able to slow him down if you can do that you are probably going to be able to win the game cuz I just don't think that the Vikings defense can like play a 10-7 game the whole like I they haven't played one the whole year I don't expect them to be successful in that scenario, it's really tough. I think you saw it with the Jets against the Patriots, those two games, like if there's no confidence in the offense moving the ball, the defense can play a little bit worse. Um. So I have the Vikings there at six. I'm going to go Buffalo at seven. I know that Josh Allen has played pretty poorly almost like the last month up until this game against the Lions but i don't think he's that bad um I, you know other people will tell you he's still like the number 2 quarterback in the league and maybe they're right about that what i do know is their team overall is still really good like they have a good defense despite the injuries stephon diggs probably a top 3 or 4 wide receiver in the league um also another team that might be able to sign odell uh I, you know, like I said, they're a good team. The quarterback hasn't played great, but there's no reason to believe that he is going to play poorly the whole way. Um, you know, their rushing attack is probably the reason that they aren't higher because if they could run the ball, first of all, they'd be able to throw the ball over any team anytime Josh Allen wouldn't throw a pick because they'd have to commit a little bit more to it. Um, because they don't, I feel like that's sometimes where Josh Allen kind of gets in trouble and gets a little, you know, if, if it's not coming as easy as the other games. I feel like that's where he starts to press and like, instead of just holding the ball and running it or holding the ball and taking a sack, he tries to throw it past people that you can't throw it past. And that's where he gets into trouble. So I like them at seven because I feel like Like I said, the rushing attack, especially compared to the teams above them, is really not as good, but the rest of the team is really good and is as talented as any other team in the league, so I've got them at 7. Bengals are at 8. They've just kept churning out wins since Jamar Chase went on the IL. I feel like when he comes back, once again, another really nasty offense that went all the way to the Super Bowl last year, very unexpected. Um, they beat the Titans in Tennessee this week, which I was pretty impressed by. I didn't think they would be able to do that. Uh, Joe Mixon's hurt. They haven't really missed a step in the run game either with Samaje Ryan. so um, a good offense and a defense that played some very timely football in the playoffs last year. I think they have a good pass rush. I think Jesse Bates is one of the best safeties in the league. I think he's on the last year of his contract, so that would be you know a good reason for for some good play here down the stretch. Not sure that I'm pretty sure that their schedule is actually tough the rest of the way. Um and I personally as a Jets fan would like to see them lose because if they do then we you know the more losing that the Bengals do um, or the Titans, or any of these teams not in our division. It's just a, more of a chance that we get into the playoffs. So, um, Bengals at 8, a team that made the Super Bowl last year that no one expected. They're winning games without their best offensive skill player right now, and you could argue their best two offensive skill players. So Bengals in there at 8. We'll see how they fare over the last month of the season. I've got the Titans at 9. I've been pretty high on the Tennessee Titans really for a couple of seasons now. Um, Their defense is really damn good. Their offense doesn't make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, T- Tannehill doesn't really invoke fear, but I feel like they have a lot of confidence in Traylon Burks that maybe they didn't have in A.J. Brown which is really weird. Obviously, A.J. Brown is a really good receiver, but I feel like we've seen Traylon Burks in these last couple of games make plays that A.J. Brown never made for the Titans, like deep throws. Um, I think in the game against the Packers on Thursday night a couple of weeks ago, he had like seven catches for 110 yards. So, um, I just like this Tennessee team behind Derrick Henry. I feel like any game that features defense and a lot of running in the playoffs uh the team that is more accustomed to that type of game is going to win and a lot of those a lot of those games seem to happen in the playoffs as well that obviously really benefits Tennessee with their defense being really good and Derrick Henry being one of the best running backs so i have them at 9 I would have had them pretty high on the list, not going to lie, if they beat the Bengals, but they didn't, so I had to put them behind the Bengals. Uh, And I'm going to round out the list of the Jets. The talent is there for the Jets. I think there's no doubt about that. The quarterback play is going to have to be kept up by Mike White, and I think that's going to be a little bit tougher than the way it sounds because there's just no way that he's going to be as good as 315 yards and three touchdowns again the rest of the season. But really, all we need is mistake-free football. That was the problem with Zach. We were able to win in games that he didn't make mistakes. We were, couldn't win in the games that he made a lot of mistakes. And if we can just get a happy medium of no mistakes and some decent movement of the ball, holy crap, the Jets might have a real team. So, uh, I got them there at ten. They're seven and four. You know they have, they have their their fate in front of them. Like they can they can go out and win a couple of these games, find themselves in the playoffs, and who knows what happens. They could lose this week to Minnesota. They could lose to Buffalo and it could be, you know, trying to fight and claw into a spot. So we'll see. I got them there at ten. I really, you know, am hopeful for both New York teams outlooks for the rest of the season. I almost had the Giants on the list at ten but I realized I forgot the Bills, so I guess the Giants would be my honorable mention at 11. Um, Another team, like, yeah, maybe not. I don't want to say that they are similar to the Bengals last year because they aren't in terms of the way they play offense in any way or form, but they are a team similar to the Titans that has won games playing their style of football and if they know going into a game what they need to execute to be able to win they've shown we can execute it more often than not play our style and not let them control the game and we come out victorious now it's asking a lot of their defense to keep them in a game where like you know saquon barkley's getting the ball 40 times like there's no doubt about it um but it has worked for the Titans in playoffs. I don't think the Giants' defense is as good as the Titans' defense, but maybe they play, you know, some of their best ball down the stretch. We'll see. I like the Giants at 11. Um, they were really just an honorable mention because the Bills got left off the list on accident. Um, and so there you have it, folks. Top 10 NFL power ranking. Um, we move on to college football. And then we will do the good old picks. So college football, I watched the Ohio State-Michigan game. It was one of the games I gave out on the pod and got right, fortunately. Um, so I'm pretty excited about that. Very interestingly enough, while I was not watching the game in any way, I um, South Carolina was able to do it again, folks. They take down Clemson, so they took two teams right out of the college football playoff. They took out Tennessee the week before. Um, unfortunately, Hendon Hooker, ACL. Don't know if I touched on that last week, so um, an unfortunate way for his college football career to end. Doesn't get to play in the bowl game. Um, and... South Carolina, Spencer Rattler. Now I think there's question whether he goes to the draft or stays back another year and tries to really make South Carolina into a threat next year. Um, not that I think they're on like the Georgia, Tennessee, Alabama level in any way, but I think they could be just making some noise in the SEC. We'll see. Uh, I don't think they're bad. I mean, I think they're ranked now after those last two wins. The important part here, though, about South Carolina is they did the work of God to beat Clemson because, you know, as much as I say, as a North Carolina fan, it would have been great for us to, you know, take away their season. What I feel like is very more likely for what could have happened or what will happen in this game with Clemson is we'll have a real chance to beat them, and then we won't. And the fact of the matter is, with one loss or no losses, well, with no losses and a conference championship, they are getting in. But with one loss and a conference championship, and based on the way other things are shaking out, there would have been maybe a way for them to get in, and now there is no way for them to get in if they beat North Carolina regardless. So South Carolina did the work of God. It did the work of North Carolina fans who now can just sit back, hope that we beat them. If we don't, there's no like, oh, well, now Clemson made the playoff and we have to watch that garbage. So that's all good. Um, But, yeah, overall, I watched every snap of that Michigan-Ohio State game. And I think the one thing I come away from watching that game is a, not to take another victory lap, but I was right. I felt like in the trenches, Michigan was going to take the victory. Um, it, it ultimately didn't show its face until the second half because Michigan was beating them through the air. On a, you know, one was just a a bad tackle that ended up going the distance. One a deep throw where. It Michigan's receiver got past everybody um and i think for Michigan overall they've been so beaten up by ohio state the last few years that like the this type of game is the one that can really shift the power back to michigan in the big 10 for a bit because michigan showed the one thing that they couldn't do they showed that they could do it which was throw the ball like The Michigan quarterback problem for the last 15 years has been this quarterback can't throw the ball. No matter who I'm going to list, you can go all the way back to Devin Gardner, which is like, what, 2012? That quarterback was a very good runner of the football, couldn't throw to the level that would ascend them to being great. Then you look at Cade McNamara, who is the most recent one. Same thing, couldn't throw the ball. Now he's in the transfer portal. And everyone in between that, you know, and I don't want to name every name, but I mean, Joe Milton was not a great throw of the ball while he was at Michigan. You had Cade McNamara. Uh, you know, I think even, bef- I think you could even have said that about JJ McCarthy coming into the game. So it the one thing that they were not able to do really in any way, shape, or form for some years they did it in this game now I think kind of going into this weekend and I'm going to pick the games in just a second I think going into this weekend the only matchup that matters for the college football playoff is the USC game I think you kind of look at these three teams that go into their weekend undefeated which are TCU Georgia um, and Michigan themselves I think with one loss in one of these games, barring it being like a, an absolute catastrophe loss, you can't look at other resumes in this, in you know the way sh- things have sh- shaken out, and say with a loss, TCU still doesn't deserve to be in because they still do. Their resume is better than both Ohio State and Alabama, um, as is Georgia's, as is Michigan's. USC with a loss would be a two-loss team, and then I think at that point, like even though their run over the last month of the season has been pretty damn good, I think you have to then look at Ohio State and put them in at four. um, And at the end of the day, I don't think the committee would be too sad about that because Ohio State is... You know, having the choice of putting in Ohio State or Bama as your... Backup options is pretty damn good for them because it confirms that a lot of eyes will be on the game. Um, they have clearly shown an SEC bias. So uh, I think, you know, I, I think for them, TCU still has to win, as does USC, and the other two are confirmed in because, like I said, Alabama and Ohio State are those other two teams. But I think based on the way the resumes look, TCU should be safe no matter what. That being said, something tells me if they lose that they'll find a way to put Ohio State in there or Alabama. I feel like it's more likely Ohio State. All they have is that one loss against Michigan. um, But they'll they'll find a way to make it justified. So. Michigan game was a pretty good, damn good one I didn't really catch much other action from rivalry weekend um, let's see I mean I was like paying attention to the TCU score they, they took care of business against Iowa State so that's good um, I was paying attention to the LSU score but they lost so that kind of ends there miracle run, regardless of whether they do pull off the miracle and, and beat Georgia. I don't think they can put in a three-loss LSU team at this point. Um, I was keeping my eye on the USC Notre Dame score, but didn't really get to catch that one either. So, Unfortunately, didn't catch as much of the games as I wanted. I did sit down and watch Michigan, Ohio State every snap. Um, Like I did mention earlier in the pod, came down with the good old cocoa over the weekend. So probably why I was not in front of a TV for every last moment of Saturday. Um, And so I guess with that, we will pick the weekend's games and send you on your merry way. I was hoping it was going to be a little bit of a shorter one this week. And it seems like that'll work out in my favor. So. What I think I'm going to do here is, I'll pick five games in college football. It'll be the Power Five conference championship games, um, and then on the NFL on the NFL side, excuse me, I will pick Thursday night's game between the Bills and the Patriots, and I'll pick three others, whether they be Sunday or Monday night. So college football conference championship weekend starts um on 7 at 7:30 on CBS Sports Network between Conference USA one and two seed Texas San Antonio who has a great left-handed quarterback Frank Harris um and North Texas who usually sports a pretty fun and entertaining air raid offense so if you want to watch some fun on Friday night you can go there and you can go dual TV with this game Utah, 9-3, 11th ranked against USC, who probably has the Heisman on their team, uh, depending on what happens in this game, um, in Caleb Williams. so. I think I mentioned that if USC wins, they're in, no matter what. If USC loses, they're out, no matter what. So probably the biggest game for the college football playoff is this one. Caleb Williams has three interceptions this season, which is pretty good, but Utah's quarterback, Cameron Rising, also having a great year and was the quarterback behind that epic game in the Rose Bowl last year that Ohio State beat Utah in. Um, I I really want to pick against USC. I've been picking against USC every week, but that offense has done its work, and it's done its work against a couple of great teams down the stretch in UCLA and Notre Dame. Um, I don't think the Utah defense is going to be as good as Notre Dame's. Um, uh, I think these two teams played earlier in the year, and in that matchup, Utah beat USC by one point in Utah Caleb Williams had 381 passing yards and five touchdowns. Cam Rising had 415 yards and two touchdowns. Um, he also rushed for three himself. So it took one of the biggest offensive outputs for Utah this season to beat USC by one point. It's so hard for teams in college and below to like beat a team they've played already this season. So with that. I go with USC, which means USC is in as a team in the college football playoff, which is crazy because I think the only Pac-12 team, the only two Pac-12 teams to be in, and I could be wrong about this, but I don't think I am, are Oregon and Washington. So this would be a new team in the college football playoff, so that would be good. Um, I'm going to go USC. I'm going Caleb Williams. Heisman, which I never really mentioned on the pod before. Like, I I think I was going steady Hendon Hooker. Uh, There was a little bit of Drake May in there before the two UNC losses. But Caleb Williams probably has earned it based on the numbers. If they get into the playoff, he's definitely earned it. So USC minus two and a half is the Pac-12 pick. Um, And then probably the next biggest one in terms of college football playoff TCU and Kansas State, TCU is a two-and-a-half point favorite. I think the first game, the Pac-12 chip, is at the 49ers stadium. No, excuse me, it's at the Raiders stadium in Las Vegas. The Big 12 championship game is at Jerry World. Uh, Kansas State also has played TCU this season. Kansas State was down to their backup quarterback will howard their starter adrian martinez should be good to go for this one um of one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in all of college tcu is down by 18 points in that game before rallying back with the final 28 points to beat kansas state 38 28 that was in uh wherever tcu is not sure what you know the town is kind of escaping my mind at the moment um i feel like this is a number that people are gonna look at and be like oh tcu only favored by two and a half points against a team that has three losses i'll take that but i think kansas state has a real chance in this game um like i said i feel like if they lose tcu doesn't deserve to be taken out of their spot for ohio state or alabama but I feel like that's what will happen. They'll take them out for Ohio State if they lose this one. And I'm sorry, but I've got them losing. I think Deuce Vaughn and Adrian Martinez both have full health is gonna be a severe problem uh for for the Horn Frogs. I feel like this whole time, while it has been very impressive that they've taken out all of these games, like they've been in close games with every single one of these teams, folks, besides Iowa State. Baylor, close game. Texas, close game. Texas Tech was a close game. West Virginia was a close game. That took 13 points in the final uh, quarter to take that victory. Um, Kansas State, like I said, they were down by uh 18 points before scoring the final 28. Oklahoma State, they beat by three. Texas, they beat by seven. So the whole season, they have escaped these games by one touchdown or less margins. I unfortunately think the ru- the luck is gonna run out on the final game of the year and it's gonna be one of those speculation moments for about you know 24 hours. I think the selection show will be on Sunday before the football starts. I think 12 o'clock um, and I think they're gonna I think they're gonna screw. I think they're going to screw TCU out of it and they're going to put Ohio State in despite being blown out by Michigan at home. So I do have the upset in that one. Kansas State plus two and a half in Jerry World. Um, And it's going to be a lot of speculation after. So we'll enjoy that, I'm sure. And we'll move on to the next one, which is... 4 o'clock p.m. SEC Championship. Believe this game is at Mercedes-Benz, home of the Falcons. It is Georgia and LSU. Georgia minus 17.5. I'm going to go with LSU. I just feel like the number is too high. I mean, yeah, they did lose to Texas A&M, where Texas a and season was all but over. Um. But I just think 17 for Georgia is a little bit too high for the offense they've been running this year. Um, They've played in some close games. I think LSU, it's tough because I feel like LSU is still overmatched, but I think 17 is just too big of a number for a championship game in that conference, knowing that Brian Kelly is a really good coach, regardless of how I feel about him personally. Um, I think Georgia, not that they're looking ahead, but like I said, 17, it's a lot. They probably are looking ahead a little bit and looking past LSU, especially with LSU's loss. I think it'll be a little bit closer in the first half than people think. And I'm going to go LSU plus 17 and a half um Big 10 championship which is Michigan and Purdue Michigan minus 16 and a half I'll take them um JJ McCarthy showed me he can throw the ball deep I don't think they'll I it's tough to say whether they'll play Blake Corum like they played him as a decoy the first game or the game last week against Ohio State he ran the ball twice and then they took him out so honestly I wouldn't play him. Like, the other kid looked pretty damn good in the second half. Uh, You give Blake Corum now like a whole month to rest for the playoff. I think that would be a pretty beneficial move. Like I said, the running game didn't miss really a step in the second half with Corum out. Uh, And in the first half, J.J. McCarthy's shown, shown you that he could throw the ball all over the yard. So I like Michigan to blow out Purdue. Um, and, and really put an exclamation mark on how dominant they've been all year um, and really earn that two spot. And last but not least, the ACC championship game, Clemson in North Carolina, game being played at the home of the Panthers in Charlotte. UNC is a seven and a half point dog. I'm not going to pick a side, folks. I can't really do it because all of the numbers and everything I know about football would tell me Clemson is going to blow North Carolina out of the water um, based on the way that the defense has played all year, based on the way the offense has played the last two weeks. But I would take the over 63. I feel like UNC's offense will show up enough to help contribute their side of the number. I think the UNC defense will get... You know they'll they'll show you about how good they've been all year against Clemson as Clemson's running backs are running it up you know all over the field on Saturday night. Um, so like I said, can't pick the side because it would tell me to pick against my team, and I'll go over 63 because I feel like that's pretty realistic. Um, and those are my picks for the for the five conference championship games. I feel pretty good about them. My record in the in college is 18-17-1, which is just a bit over 50%. Um, The only picks that remain for me are next week. We'll pick the Navy and Army game. Um. Usually a good number, a good under number, but this year it's at 33.5. Don't know if I'll be able to get behind that. Army is a one point favorite playing for bowl eligibility at 5 and 6, Navy's 4 and 7, so we'll pick that game next week. And then the bowl season starts the next Friday, so we'll we'll see if we do maybe we'll do a bowl pick 'em where I just pick the winners of each game. Maybe we'll do that, you know, I'll put some out, you know, incrementally. Not really sure. Um but but the, the college football picks are not over. This is the last week of regular stuff because, you know, just given on the fact that they play on Friday and Saturday this week and now over the next month there will be bowls basically every day. Um, and we'll move on to the NFL slate. I told you I'd pick Patriots and Bills. Then we have three others just to – reiterate a i am not doing much research into these games because i have found that that helps our system of fading me a lot better the system of fading me is hitting at a 70 percent rate usually you'd have to pay big money to get a 70 percent hitting rate all you have to do is follow what i say and do the exact opposite so Bill's Patriots. Patriots are home and three and a half point dogs on prime video later on tonight. Happy December. Once again, I'm going Patriots folks. I think this game is always a tough game. It's in new England. The Patriots fans will be rowdy. Um, I think the jets kind of showed you like the blueprint to beat this team. Uh, and I think that the, Patriots will be able to execute that very damn well with Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris. Mac Jones should be all right to make no mistakes. I think a lot of people will be on the Bills, and I want to be on the Patriots. Um, And then we'll go with my other three games from Sunday. Sunday, the Packers and the Bears play 1 o'clock on Fox. The Bears are home and four and a half point dogs. I'm not sure whether they've ruled Justin Fields out for the year or just for the week against the Jets. My guess is that if he plays, the number will stay around four and a half, maybe three and a half. If he doesn't, it'll probably go up to like six or seven. I want the Bears either way. I think the Packers have been pretty bad outside of one good showing against the Titans. Um I think at this point, the only reason the number's like that is because Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Packers. And like I said, the offense has shown that it's really just a one trick pony with Christian Watson. The defense is probably growing, you know, tired of keeping this team in games for the offense to do nothing I think the Bears can win I think even though last week they didn't show their best game against the Jets other than that they've basically been in a one score game every other week so I like Chicago plus four and a half at home versus the Packers Titans and Eagles Eagles are at home five point favorites I like Tennessee um, I feel like five is too much for the Eagles who have literally been in a one score game every single week they've won. Except for the Eagle except for the Texans and the Steelers, so two of the worst teams in the league. Anytime Tennessee plays in a game, like I said, I feel pretty damn good about backing them because their defense is really good, because they'll run the ball and they'll run it efficiently. The quarterback won't make a lot of mistakes. And now this kid, Traylon Burks, seems to be a real offensive threat. Um, On the other side, the Eagles, I know I had them at number two in the power ranking. They haven't blown a lot of teams out. Um, And it feels like teams have had an easy time getting them away from what works, which is the run. Like. If one or two runs don't work for the Eagles early on, they turn into an air raid. And I feel like that really helps the Titans out a lot. So I'm going to go Titans plus five. Last pick. Ooh, it's a gross one. But it's Broncos-Ravens. Ravens Ravens are eight-point favorites. I'm going Broncos. I know both teams have been bad in terms of a gambling sense because the, the Ravens are seven and four but four and six against the spread. Uh the Broncos are three and eight both against the spread and on the money line. Um but holy crap, man, the, the Ravens just can't finish a game. Like I, I bet you this is another team, the Ravens, that have not beaten a team outside of the Panthers. Well, they did it two weeks in a row, Panthers and Saints, but generally speaking over the season they have not blown out a lot of teams the broncos have not given up a lot of points and so all they have to do is keep it close and they should be able to do that because their defense has done so all season long so i'm gonna go broncos plus eight it's a bad pick but i mean the numbers are so bad that at this point you got to do what you got to do um and I believe that will be all for Go Be Great, episode 22. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. First and foremost, I know the Spotify rap things came out. Um, and so I kind of looked at it. And, you know, like I always mention for a podcast that sometimes I get a bit of like fear of putting it out and having no one look at it or no one paying attention to it to see first of all the support you guys give me like to my personal like messages and whatever is really cool um but also to see like the Spotify numbers was was pretty encouraging it's not much but it is something and i really appreciate you guys uh for for making it easy for me to put this stuff out and putting my my thoughts and my ideas out there so um, We'll be back. Normal stuff next week. It'll be, you know, analyzing our college football playoff, uh, as well as some of the other bowl games that I, I guess we'll have a full bowl slate for you next week. Whether I pick all the games spread, money line, um, kind of remains to be seen. We'll do, you know, hopefully a USA win over the weekend with the Netherlands, and then either it'll be, I'm not sure when the next round is, so we'll see how that factors into our talks. I feel like we got to go back and and look at this basketball season to the date so far, because there's some interesting storylines. There's also the storyline of who ends up with this kid, and Yama, from, from France. So... Kind of want to get the NBA back into the, back into the, and I'm watching a LeBron press conference where he's talking about Jerry Jones's teenage photo from an integration of the integrated or the school was trying to be integrated and he was on the other side of things. So sorry that I lost my train of thought, but I do want to get the NBA back into the, to the fold of things here um feel like i like i said i don't talk about it enough we'll do the normal football stuff um and hopefully some some happy USA soccer news so once again thank you guys all for tuning in and i'll see you guys next Wednesday go be great